Welcome to Growing Hope Conversations. Growing Hope is a charity providing free therapy for children and young people with additional needs in partnership with local churches across the UK. We aim to grow hope for children through the provision of free therapy clinics, hope for families through groups for parents, carers and siblings to connect and talk about their experiences, and hope in Jesus through the opportunity to pray and be supported to access church if this is something families would like to do. This podcast is a series of conversations with individuals who have experience of additional needs and disability. Whether you share their experience or are here to learn, welcome to the conversation. Hello, welcome to Growing Hope Conversations. My name's Naomi and I'm a children's occupational therapist and the founder and CEO of Growing Hope. And I'm joined by our co-host for this season, Mark Arnold. Mark, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, Naomi. Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Arnold. I'm the Additional Needs Ministry Director at Urban Saints. Uh, I uh, write as the Additional Needs Blog Father and I'm the co-founder of the Additional Needs Alliance. Amazing. Thanks, Mark. And today's topic is all about additional needs and isolation. Is there anything that particularly stands out to you about that, Mark, that you that you've been thinking about? Well, I'm I'm so looking forward to this session uh, today, Naomi. I'm really keen to hear, you know, the insights and wisdom of our guest today, and to hear the stories that she will have of families that um, some of whom have been struggling uh, with isolation, particularly over the last year, but also those that have found the last year a leveler or have been helped to be able to sort of cope and navigate a, a way through it. Because, yeah, I'm, I, I really think there are going to be some you know, some eye-watering moments, but also some great tips to learn uh, for our listeners today, Naomi. So really looking forward to it. How about you? Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, in all the families we see at Growing Hope, there are some who have been able to make really brilliant support networks and, you know, have people around them supporting them. And that helps to reduce that sense of isolation. But also I see so many families who, um, you know, haven't yet encountered people who have similar experiences, or we see them come to a group setting and meet other parents and suddenly feel this sense of, oh, okay, I'm not on my own. Um, there are other people who are experiencing things that I'm experiencing. Um, yeah, so really interested to hear what our guest has to say to us today. Yeah, it's going to be great. You know, and today we're joined by our good friend, Nicola Watson. Uh, Nicola coordinates the additional needs support at Care for the Family. Um, she has many years of experience in working with families where there's a child with additional needs. And she understands both personally and professionally the challenges that families face. Uh, Nicola also represents Care for the Family within Churches for All. And it's a huge pleasure to welcome you, Nicola, uh, to the Growing Hope podcast today. We're really excited to have you with us. Tell us a bit more about yourself uh, and what additional needs and isolation mean to you. Well, hi, it's lovely to see you both. Hi, Naomi and hi, Mark, and hi to hi. everyone out there hi. who's listening. Um Wow, yes, what an opportunity this is. Um, I am mum to three grown-up children, two sons and our youngest, a daughter, who is now 32, but um, has global development delay. I often say if um, she'd been diagnosed more recently, she'd have a whole string of letters after her name. Yeah. But for the time <laughs> being, we just have to think about global development delay. Um 
And she really has been, oh goodness me, the pioneer for me and my family learning all about the life of families with children with additional needs. Mm. And I have to say it's been a, a roller coaster ride and uh, there's been adventure, there's been laughter, there's been plenty of tears, there's been hard times, there's been battles, there's been wins. Um, there's been so much to learn. There's so many amazing people that I've met, really inspirational people. Mm. Um, and I have to say, it's an absolute privilege to be able to work for Care for the Family and to coordinate a team of volunteer befrienders who all are parents or grandparents of children with additional needs and who have found it within themselves to be able to offer voluntarily to support other parents of children with additional needs. Um, so it's a great team and uh, so many skills and abilities and such a huge amount of resilience too. That's brilliant. And I mean, Nicola, how long has the team been been going? What, uh, yeah, you know, how, how long has that been a service that uh, Care for the Family have been offering? Do you know what, Mark? I've no idea. Um, I guess it would <laughs> probably be... Well, I've been in the post now for four years. I would guess it may be 10 or even 12 years. Wow. So, uh, yeah. yeah, lots lots and lots of great experience there. Yeah. Amazing. And we'd love to hear a story or some stories um, from you, Nicola, about about what additional needs, you know, looks like and how families experience that and whether that's, yeah, feeling isolation or um, or not, I guess. Um, within the service, we uh, support people, uh, families where there, you know, could be a medical need. So, for instance, a parent of a child with type 1 diabetes who is always on the edge of a health crisis. Uh, we support um, a few families where the children have complex needs and um, rely on peg feeding, rely on wheelchairs, are in um, special schools where there are where it's round the clock care. Yeah. Um, we also support families where there are mental health difficulties, and mm. um, that might be standalone, or in some instances, it's connected to autism spectrum conditions. Mm. Um, and in fact, um, often the families that I find that are the most desperate and the most discouraged when I speak to them are those. Children who are have an autism diagnosis but are in a mainstream school and mm. are not coping well at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, therefore, the parents are dealing with these most desperate, distraught children at the end of the day um, mm. who then, you know, find it very difficult to self-regulate and, you know, the resulting um, conflict and crisis in the home is huge and mm -hmm. still, you know, are not being heard by schools and uh, various professionals who, you know, one would turn to for help, but sometimes, you know, just don't believe what parents are telling them because they don't see it where they are. It's tough. Yeah, it's so tough, isn't it? And, you know, you hear the stories of uh, children and young people who, uh, you know, cope and bottle everything up as much as they can to uh, to get through the the school day and then as you say they get home and just have to let it all out and so the experience of family like you say is very different to what what schools see because uh yeah that the safe place for children to release all that that they've been holding in all day is when they get home isn't it yeah yeah and I, you know you talk about isolation i was thinking about my particular journey and you know, I'm 
my, my daughter is very friendly. She's very sociable. She's pleasant when she's out of the house. You know, she's <laughs> she's nice, nice person to be around. But yeah. we've certainly had our moments as she was growing up. And I think probably, you know, the pre-adolescent teenage years were particularly difficult for her. Speech and language is an area of great need and mm. understanding is limited. Mm. And I have literally locked myself in my bathroom in order to create space between her and myself and now looking back I understand that when she is stressed she needs to be close to me and when I am stressed I need to be far away from her yeah. <laughs> and our two needs kind of like were you know equal opposites and um, that you know need to just get away and find some space um, but I couldn't talk to people about that because they wouldn't ever imagine that she would be um, in that place of desperation or indeed that I would. Mm. And I can remember just being so out of control, feeling so angry. Yeah. And then the thought, the guilt that used to pile in after that, you know, um, I can't even tell you now often what it was that escalated to that point. But I do know that I have never in my whole life ever felt so angry as I have sometimes when we've locked horns. Mm. And to be so frightened, to be that out of control, um, you know, that was really, really hard. Yeah. It's such a hard place to be, isn't it? And to... Uh, to to face those feelings in, on your own really really tough but to know that maybe there's somebody at the end of the phone you know, to you know to, to be a, that somebody that's been on that journey that's maybe had some of those experiences or can relate to those experiences through their own journey uh, it just makes so much of a difference doesn't it so that you know the befriender service that care for the family offer really really fills a gap there to uh, to support people in those dark moments Absolutely. And what we're trying to offer is that empathy. We, we talk about, you know, we, we, we'll find someone you can talk to who gets it. And so I try to match, it's a bit like a dating agency, really. I try to match people by, <laughs> I say diagnosis, although often, you know, diagnoses are a hard thing to come by. But, you know, similar age, similar life phase, maybe similar um, family background so that you know the befrienders and the befriendies can find that common place and share those difficult things that perhaps they wouldn't share with other people mm. um, not with family because they don't want to um, betray the trust of their child or they don't want to unnecessarily worry other members of the family maybe someone they'll never meet so they can be absolutely honest about their feelings and you know not feel judged in any way or that this is going to have some um, impact on on the relationship long term so mm. you know it's a very precious service that we offer yeah. and Often I'm the first port of call. Well, I'm always the first port of call. But often I will, even in that first call, share some of my experience in a vulnerable way in order mm. to say, you know, this is a place where you can be heard and, and mm. understood in perhaps a way you wouldn't otherwise. Totally. And that sounds, that's brilliant, Nicola. I think that um, one of our growing hope values is all about kind of community and being able to for parents and carers to be able to know that they are seen and heard and I think when we think about isolation and additional needs often I think families often 
really don't feel seen and heard and that can sometimes be part of that reason for feeling isolated whether that is by family or by school or by people around them I think you know or even even kind of for themselves I think often it's hard to listen to our own feelings if we're going through something that uh, perhaps is challenging. No, it's it's yeah, really 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 helpful stuff, Nicola. And you know, you you've you've already shared honestly and vulnerably on you know this podcast some of of your journey and your story so far and your family story. You know, looking back uh, to where it all began, and uh, you know, if you could, if you could have a conversation with yourself at the beginning of of that journey, is there something that you would uh, suggest that you do differently, or maybe one really important thing that that you learned that you wish you knew at the beginning? Just uh, yeah, that that would be great to hear. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I would say to my earlier younger self would be you know focus on the now don't look too far into the future it's Mm, weird isn't it you know that even when we don't realize it we already have hopes and expectations for Mm. our unborn child and uh, thoughts about what they might achieve even you know in terms of normal life um you know, go to school, then go on to work, possibly, you know, marry, have a family of their own. Um, And if you're not careful, as you encounter hurdles along that way and expectations, you know, look as if they're going to be curtailed in some way, you can actually become distracted from experiencing enjoying the now because Mm. you're worrying too much about the future and what I've learned is that some of the things I thought would never happen and never come to pass actually did Mm. (laughs) and you know I think oh my goodness I could have I could have saved myself a lot of 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 worry um about things Uh, And it's a difficult balance, isn't it? Because as a parent of a child with additional needs, you have to think about the future. You have, you are your child's advocate. You know, you are Mm -hmm. the only one fighting in one sense for that child. Otherwise, they're going to get lost in the melee of all the other people clamoring for the very limited resources that are out there. So you have Mm -hmm. to be on it. But also, you have to be flexible in your thinking. So... Um, yeah, planning ahead, making those appointments, um, badgering, dare I use the term, the people who, you know, you you need to have in place at certain points in their life, getting all that paperwork done, but also accepting that your reality in 18 months or two years might be very different mm. than you see now, because yeah. certainly my experience, you know, Rachel's diagnosis, global development delay delay has been the key word Mm. you know there there have been things that I thought she would never do I thought she would never walk well Mm. she didn't walk at the time that you would expect her to but she did subsequently I never thought she would talk but my goodness now I sometimes say to her for goodness sake stop (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and her talking's not perfect and her cognition is is very you know less than than you would imagine because she's very good at smiling and you know giving you the right responses in the right place and so you know in terms of socialization she can do all manner of things that you would not expect if you Mm. you know had met the little girl 
Um, And so in one sense, that's what I would say is that, you know, um, yeah, plan and be organized and, you know, make all those important decisions long term, but enjoy the the here and now. One of one of my stories I remember telling was that um, she never had a birthday or a Christmas when I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about the content of educational content of toys and gifts. Yeah. You know, everything had to have a reason to be given as a gift. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that with my sons. I just got them what they yeah. wanted. Now, she never knew what she wanted. And mm-hmm. so that was more complicated. But I always had to go through the process of, you know, will this develop fine motor control? Will this develop gross motor control? Will this be useful for her speech? Will this, you know, help her to socialize? And I just think if I went through this again, I would just say, what looks lovely in this toy shop? That's what we'll mm. get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things that's, like that, you know. That, that's good. And I think, you know, we as families, we can be so good at uh, looking into the future and painting the worst case scenario, can't we? And, and being full of all the fear of what the future may bring. And as mm. you've just so clearly shown us you know though the the future isn't written yet and it can be much better uh, than our darkest fears all those things that we think our children may not be able to do uh, they may well be able to do and yeah the the del- and and if we focus on all that we we miss out on today don't we we miss out on all that they're sharing with us and teaching us today and uh, and that's a real pity if we miss that mm. yeah and if i can interject further another thing i would say is just be aware of 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 why you're thinking the thoughts you're thinking. I, I think I got myself in a bit of a kerfuffle sometimes because I was proud, mm. too proud to ask for help. Mm. Um, and particularly, you know, we went through a phase where every morning I was faced with a wet bed. Yeah. And I went, mm. you know, from zero to 16. I went through that for 16 years mm. and eventually, you know, the delay was sorted and, you know, it hasn't been a problem. But there are people out there who would have helped me with that. There are referrals that could have been made. There are, you know, and yeah. but I was just too proud. I kept thinking, oh, I'll, you know, I'll put that off. I was a bit embarrassed. I didn't, I didn't, you know, but those mornings could have been so much less stressful, both mm. for her and other members of the family and myself, if I'd only just swallowed my pride yeah. and, you know, done the simple thing which was to ask for help and Mm. you know so that would be another thing I would say yeah that's amazing Nicola I think uh, that's something we talk a lot um I we often have conversations in our parent groups about asking for help and what that looks like and and how we choose to do that because that does feel vulnerable often and being able to put ourselves in that place and say actually I do need some support um in this moment and for for other people who are facing similar challenges or you know have done this journey of additional needs or perhaps are really early on in the journey have just had a child with additional needs or maybe there are there are people listening who have a friend who's just um received a diagnosis of of additional needs for their child for other people facing these similar challenges what would your top three pieces of advice be well <laughs> I don't know about top three. <laughs> yeah, top three. I my first thing would be gather a support circle. We've heard a lot about bubbles, haven't we? Mm. Um, and 
you know, I think that's that's key to um, raising a child with additional needs. There's that African saying, isn't there? It takes a village to raise a child. Well, it yeah. definitely mm. takes a village to raise a child with additional needs. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I have been so blessed and so fortunate to have had amazing people around me so yeah if people offer if people are interested if people welcome you in their homes mm. you know um, manage those relationships press in on those things people mm. love to help mm. so again yeah. don't be pride proudful what's the word don't be too proud to ask for help yeah the other thing which is almost like the opposite, is is with the professionals in your life. I have made a point of always, and it's not been easy, but always trying to be gracious, trying to be thankful, mm. trying to be appreciative, even when they exasperate and disappoint me. Mm. Because mm. every time I write an email, which often is assertive, yeah. <laughs> um, I start, you yeah. know, I do that sandwich thing, you know. So thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing. And this is the issue. And then I will finish again with with some kind of way of saying, I recognize that you know you your resources are limited and you're you're up to your eyes with all measure of things. But I so you know, <laughs> and I have found that that really does pay back hugely yes. in terms yeah. of professionals wanting to engage with you of not avoiding you mm. and of actually going beyond what they ordinarily would do because you know so so that that would be one thing another thing i would say mm. and then another thing i've always you know and i'm talking about 32 years of experience now personal experience i've always thought about the people who would follow after me yeah or people whose children were peers with my daughter who perhaps you know, hadn't the experience that I have, who hadn't got the support networks, who perhaps hadn't had the same life experience that I have, mm. who really struggle with writing an email or being yeah. assertive or getting the support their child needs. So every kind of battle that I've felt I've faced, I've always, you know, looked at it in terms of this is not just about me and my family, mm. but this is about the people coming after me or the people who can't get the help that they need for whatever reason. And yeah. that's made the fight more bearable because I know there's more people benefiting that follow after us. Mm. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I love one of the things that we've often thought about with parents in terms of the, uh, you know, asking for help or not being able to, uh, not being worried about saying what you need is, um, we tell a story about a parent who for her birthday wrote a list for her friends of like, you know, instead of getting me a present, you could come and do one load of washing or you could look after my child for an hour <laughs> or you could, um, yeah, you know, uh, take me for a coffee or um, those kind of things. Because I think, yeah, sometimes it's the practical, you know, maybe sitting down and writing a list can be something that it uh, gives parents something to say when someone says, how can I help? Because often how can I help mm. feels like, well, I don't know, I'm facing this mountain at the moment. But if there are a few things in your mind that, that someone could do, that can be a good way to to kind of, you know, start ask that journey of asking. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think it's a brilliant idea. Fabulous. I'm going to, my birthday's coming up. I'm going to nick that idea and use it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Absolutely top idea. That's great. Um, 
Nicola, you've already shared uh, so much wisdom and, and so much uh, that, that's been helpful. And uh, I know we've got more still to go. But if if people want to find out more about the things that, that you're doing and that uh, Care for the Family are doing and the Befriender service that we've talked about, uh, you know, where, where, where do they find you? Where do they access uh, the Befriender service and, and engage with the things that Care for the Family uh, are offering to uh, families uh, that we've been talking about? Okay, well, Care for the ha Family have a website and it's careforthefamily.org.uk. Mm -hmm. um, my email, you can come through personally to me, is nicola.watson at cff.org.uk. And then there's a telephone number that will take you through to our supporter relations team um, who will then send you to the right person or the right uh, you know so we deal both with marriage and with single parenting um, with bereavement and all those things happen to families whether you mm. have a child with additional needs or not Absolutely. sometimes you know on top of that so the telephone number for that is 29 2081-0800 that's super helpful. And you know, we really would encourage anybody listening uh, to this podcast who is feeling isolated or is struggling uh, either as a parent or family member uh, or a carer of a child or young person with additional needs, all those other areas that Nicola, you've been uh, just talking about to, uh, to get in touch, to contact you, to get in touch, go through the website, phone the number. Um, yeah. You know, that, uh, really struck by what you were saying earlier about uh, not being too proud to ask for help. You know, now is now is a moment for folk that are listening to this to think. Actually, yeah, I'm going to make that step and and uh, get in touch. So, thanks for sharing those details with us. Yeah, amazing. Thanks, Nicola. And we, you know, we ask a question at the end, which is about having a kind of one one request one change to society that you would see in the realm of accessibility but we realize that it's quite hard to name one thing but if you know if you had to name one thing what one change to society would you like to see in the realm of accessibility well do you know what i have this thing that i've been kind of playing with in my mind for a long time about children as they grow into adulthood being part of society through work Mm. Now, um, a lot of adults with learning disabilities don't work or they do some kind of part-time volunteer work, which is absolutely brilliant. Mm. But I think what we need to do is create systems whereby people who volunteer, whether that be with charities or whether that be um, in other places, that as part of that volunteering, you have like a, a volunteer stream of people who volunteer to support a parent with learn a child with learning disabilities mm. to go to work now they may only manage three days a week but they could manage potentially a whole working week mm. what they need is like a buddy someone by their side who keeps them on task mm. who um you know would help them to read something or who would help them if they got in difficulties i've heard mm. lots of stories of you know, young adults with learning disabilities who've gone into the world of work or who've gone into a volunteering situation and it's broken down. And the reason it's broken down is because they are perceived to be lazy or they're perceived to, you know, not stick at things or they're perceived to um, be rude. And, and all those things are perceptions mm. that would not 
be an issue were there someone along their side almost like being their advocate or being their buddy who could you know bring them back to task I know again from personal experience that if I ask my daughter to do something you know she might manage two or three minutes of that but you know won't and manage to keep going unless she has prompts unless she has Mm. someone just to say oh this is what's happening next or this is what you need to do next and Mm. so for me the thought that you know at the end of education which let's be fair is a struggle in itself is Mm. you know life in the world and and as we've seen perhaps some of the people listening have been furloughed we know we've heard stories of people whose mental health has really taken a turn for the worse because They haven't been in work. They haven't had that community. They haven't had that reason to get up and get going. And we've got, you know, lots and lots of young adults, older people with learning disabilities out there who have been denied that opportunity to work. And so they've got poor self-esteem. They lack friendships. They don't have social opportunities because we haven't enabled them to work and i i think it's solvable i don't think it's you know a difficult problem and i would love to see that happening Mm. yeah i mean that that would be brilliant that would be a a a great wish to have wouldn't it a great wish to see come true so uh yeah yeah, keep 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 that wish alive let's uh let's join (laughs) you in it and uh and yeah keep going to uh, to see if something like that could be in place that would be brilliant Nicola thank you mm. and and thank you so much for all that you shared with us uh, on the podcast uh, it's it's been great I mean look it started off one thing that stuck in my mind right at the beginning was when uh, you were talking about a lifetime of adventure laughter and tears and I think that's the experience of of so many families families that will be listening to the podcast and uh, you know as we've been thinking about that, that isolation uh, just that sense that uh, yes families can be isolated but they don't have to be they don't have to feel alone there are um, there are folk out there that are are there to support them and help them and and the befriender service from care for the family is a great example of that and uh, so it's really good to be able to signpost people towards that great to be challenged to think about the the now uh, and to live in the moment and not miss today uh, whilst also yeah. thinking about the future and thinking about tomorrow and planning for that but but actually really focusing on today as well and then those people that you uh, shared with us that uh, you know it's so important to think about the the support circle or network that's around us that are, you know there people are there to help and love to help uh, the professionals and how we uh, yeah work well with them and and as team with them and and uh, are gracious and thankful to them but also as you pointed out thinking about folk that are on the journey uh, behind us that that we can help out with you know the knowledge and learning that we've gained along uh, our own journey and to, to keep passing it on to to, to to others as well and yeah you know and that sort of brings us to to your volunteer team as well that you've been thinking about that that could support young people to be able to get into work and engage with the world in a in, in a really great way there so so much wisdom so many things for us to take away from this session and it's it's been great Nicola to, to have you with us thank you so much for all that you've shared uh, with us uh, on uh, this podcast thanks so much my pleasure Thank you for joining Growing Hope Conversations. Find out more at growinghope.org.uk.